It's not you, it's me. It's no, it's both of us. Okay, well, I'm actually going live this time, so you know, don't say anything actionable. Right. <laughs> hey guys, this is the uh, AZ Brandcast live recording. Um, we have uh, today with us Phil Hosni from Salted Earth, and as usual, Miguel. Yeah. And I'm Chris. Let's set this up. Find a place to set this. Um, guys, should we get started? Yeah. All right. So, um, so uh, I guess officially, uh, Mike, we have with us today um, Phil Hasnut from Salted Earth, and uh, he's here to talk with us about freedom. Yep. And what does freedom mean? And what does Arizona have to do with freedom? Yep. So, um, so the topic officially is why Arizona is a good place for some brands, especially ones that value freedom. That's the official topic. And then um, the reason it matters, um, why does it matter? Do you want to talk about why it matters? Or do you want me to kind of sh- kind of fire off the initial round and then you kind of adjust? You can course? fire off okay. the initial round. Uh, initially. Across um, my bow. Your bow. And, and, so, um, and so why it matters, brands try to understand their customers. Like it's, it's kind of our job. Uh, brands' jobs to understand their customers. Um, and uh, what if Arizona could understand its value uh, overall, you know? And then, uh, and so companies could, could consider moving here or maybe decide they're greener pastures. Maybe they want to go someplace like the Bay Area. <laughs> or the B like word. That. Yeah. So um, I'm going to go ahead and camp this out right here. Ooh, good call. Let's see if that works. And then um, we'll get to our questions. I'll get my headphones. All right. <laughs> Nobody super, make any super I know. <laughs> <laughs> this is super professional. All right. First so, person um, that comes in through the front door is going to knock that off. Trying to think yeah, it's going to be awesome. Sure in my bag of tricks, so good. It'll be exciting for our viewers. Yeah. <laughs> Go for a little ride. Getting a sense of uh, falling sensation. So, um, so we, we, have, we have a couple of questions, right, for, for Phil. And uh, one of them is, um, Phil, what does freedom mean to you? Just kind of get us started, get us warmed up. What, is, what does freedom mean? Uh, to, to explain that, I think I need to go into a little bit of the backstory. So I was actually born and raised on Long Island, New York, um, and moved out here, I think that's coming up on three and a half years now. So to me, freedom is really the, the ability to make decisions without somebody making it for you. Uh, even, even if that means that you're, you have the possibility of making an incorrect decision, it's still your decision based on whatever research you've done. Um, because back, back in New York, I always, I always refer to the firearm laws as kind of the first, like the easiest way of showing kind of the, the, the difference. Um, cause in New York, and that's really, you know, the backstory of why this product came out in the first place. Cause in New York, you, it's kind of foreign to anybody who, uh, who lives out here and that you can't touch, like physically touch a handgun until you're about 21 years old and you've gone through the year long process of getting your pistol permit. And if you <clears> physically touch it, uh, you know, that's illegal in New York. I heard you have to prove that you need it in New York. So, t- so you cannot get a carry permit in New York unless you can prove that there's a, you know, a threat against you and that your life is in danger, uh, or that you're transporting a certain amount of money, you know, as a, as like a business owner. Um, but as a general uh, civilian, uh, you cannot carry except to and from the range. And then different towns have different restrictions. And I'm talking like the south part of New York. You know, upstate New York's a totally different country, even okay. from downstate. Uh, trying to get a carry permit in New York City is impossible, unless you're a celebrity. That's the only way to do it. So, you know, you cannot, you can't carry, basically. But I heard if you have political connections, yeah. then you well, can get it. Yeah. If, you, if you were rich, famous, or... I don't know. I don't know who else. That, that pretty much that pretty much covers all of them. Rich, if you have strings to pull. Yeah. yeah. If you, you yeah, if you have influence, you can you can yeah. get your carry permit. Uh, but as <clears> just a average <throat> citizen. But you're, isn't you're that how work. like New York City works? Oh yeah. In pretty general, much. Pretty yeah. Much. I mean, the NYPD's been been caught several times, uh, basically like a pay to play type deal where you know if you paid enough money into the process, you get it, uh, and it became you know profit center for them <laughs> because. People want it. I mean, this the city's still dangerous. You know, it's nothing like what it used to be, but um, I mean, it is still a pretty dangerous city in certain areas. So you want it, but unless you have the money, you're not gonna you're not gonna get it. Um, you know, even my mother being a federal officer, you know, once she retires, she's not gonna be able to carry in New York City um, because getting getting a you know carry permit is is difficult even for for former 
enforcement officers in New York City. But there's a trade-off, right? Because it's like when we have that freedom, now we have to be around guns, right? Well, with freedom comes responsibility. You know, in our in Arizona, what? In Arizona, yeah. <laughs> no, I want freedom with that. With no, no responsibility. I want, I want the freedom for the stuff I want freedom for. <laughs> yeah. And then I want it to be taken care of yes. for all the other stuff. Yes, please. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, the the weird part is when, like, when I moved out here. <laughs> yeah. When I moved out here, I still got my carry permit, even though we have constitutional carry, which in and of itself is an amazing concept. And more and more states are. I think we're up to like thirteen or fourteen states now that have. Uh, that have constitutional carry where, you know, if you are a U.S. citizen and you turn a certain age, the state basically says, you know, we trust you um, to be responsible and you can carry a weapon. Um, but I still got my permit and you know, I still went through the process here in Arizona. And I mean, the freedoms allotted to you in Arizona, I mean, I can go into Bass Pro and buy standard capacity magazines that are like on sale in a clearance bin that are a felony if you own them in New York. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean, even, even just, being able to like walk into the store and buy a product, or anything about them that way, um, was restricted. Yeah, back there. Yeah, even in California, I mean, just our neighbors. You know, I mean, I have a friend who's a <clears throat> so uh, he's a SEAL. When we, when we graduated, buds, his whole class got their six two two. What is it, two two six or whatever it is? Um, six six two. I can't remember when. Anyway, um, with the trident on it, they got it engraved and everything. Oh, yeah, he got it stolen from his house, <laughs> and <clears throat> he. Uh, like is probably like a year ago. He's been trying. He's been working on getting that thing back for a year, and it's he can he can supposed to be able to get it back, but just they're just making him jump through hoops. And he's a seal. I mean, he's not like some schmo. You know? Oh yeah. I mean, whenever we have to go out to California to do any type of training, it's like I have to neuter all of my like I can't bring out my guns even. And then the ARs we have we have like bullet buttons because we'd have to put like a ten round magazine and lock it into the gun in order to bring it out there. And then the second we got back, it's like yeah. You, Take it out of the gun and just throw it into the corner. Oh, wow. In disgust. It's like, yeah. Because this is useless. Yeah. It's I, like, yeah, I don't need this. I do that. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, whenever I have family that comes out and visit, we kind of blow their minds. Because, I mean, it, it's not it's not like the Wild West that we don't get into shootouts over the newspaper every right. morning. But, you know, if somebody's trying to rob a store that you're in with your family, they're going to have a bad time. Right. And then there's a disincentive as well. So, um, so what is what is necessary? guys and it's not, not just asking you but you're certainly um maybe you can answer first but uh, i want to know what's necessary for uh for uh for freedom i mean what's what's necessary is it is it okay for us just to all be slackers and not really i mean what's necessary well, i don't think it's ever okay is to it, be a slacker no but i mean it's like, like, like 100 plus hour weeks every week so i don't think what prevents us from just like you know abusing our freedoms i mean is it possible to abuse your freedom I guess, as a society. I mean, it's always possible. But, you know, at the same time, I've used society as somewhat self-regulating in certain aspects. Um, So, I mean, obviously, you don't want people to have the ability to to do whatever they want uh, when it affects other people's lives. But I think in the terms of, like, when we talk about business or, like, personal freedoms, um, I mean, obviously, you're not going to drive your car into a crowd of people, right? It's, it should be somewhat obvious. Um, but Plus, I think that would actually be against the law. Well, yeah. yeah. So, I, I, I mean, I think for me, like that's the, that's the baseline, right? A basic rule of law has to be in place. And if you look at places, and we're going to get on a tangent here with me, but if you look at places... Tangents are fun. Yeah. I've got a lot of them, too. Um, if you look at places like, you know, Central Africa, right, where basic rule of law doesn't exist, and it's pretty close to like anarchy. Mm-hmm. And yeah, there's a lot of freedom, right? You can right. walk around and do whatever mm-hmm. you want. And yeah, there is a level of like societal control, even in that. Like, if you go, you know, to the next town over and you kill someone because you don't like their language or their religion they'll come back and kill you, right? So, But it hasn't moderated things. Mm. Because at some level, there needs to be a basic rule of law that enforces things like property rights, mm. Um, mm. things like a, a, a basic judicial system so that when you have, a, you have a disagreement with me, we don't just come to blows over it, but we have some way to rectify it without a violent <laughs> interaction. <Yep. laughs> you know, like, you kill my cow, 
I don't just walk over to your yard and kill your cow. Right. <laughs> you know, it's like, let's, let's work through a civil process that allows us to come to a resolution and not have to like destroy one another. And that's basically what you're seeing in, you know, like the Congo and places like that right now, where it's just, it's, it's, <clears throat> it's humanity at the most brutal. Um, and then also it's whoever has the most guns wins. Right. And so you so see, America. yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> and you know, there's a sense on a geopolitical level where like, that's true, right? The, the country with the biggest guns wins. And you know, it's like, why do we not want North Korea with missiles with war, with nuclear warheads? Cause you know, we'd kind of like prefer to have our own and not have anyone else challenging that. Well, and so. plus there's like, you know, you could argue there's a qualitative right and wrong associated with, you know, communism yes. and the, it's, it's downward pressure on human flourishing. <laughs> yeah. But when you're talking about rule of law though, it goes, goes back to that New York thing where like, okay, there's this rule of law and it's supposed to apply to everybody equally, but then, it but, it doesn't. Least, but it doesn't see, that's right, the problem. And that's right. where I like, I, I personally just have problems with like, okay, if you're going to regulate something, regulate it equally. Right. So that it's, well, I have a perfect example of that. An equal playing field. So New York, uh, I don't think I'm not allowed to say what I really think of Governor Cuomo because he told me that I can't curse. Um, but, uh, we'll just block everyone listening from New York. Governor Cuomo can I'll stick things where the sun doesn't shine. He's um, a bleed button. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and and De Blasio, their mayor, I think they they called him a du a douchebag. Because he flew to Germany to like a Deutsch bag, yeah, a Deutsch bag. <laughs> yeah, that was that was like front cover. I can't remember who it was, which which newspaper ran that. But they have a full cover where they called him that, which was brilliant. Um, and the reason I can't stand those politicians is because they created a class system in New York. So you you are judged differently in a different sets of rights depending on you know who you are. Which right. that that to me is is not freedom because. Unless you're part of that protected class or one of the protected classes, you know, you are considered kind of a lower entity um, within the city. And I feel that you should be treated as equals. Yeah, it's un-American and, and one might say un-Arizonian. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> right, you know, aristocratical. Yeah. That's a word. Yeah, yeah. Arizona doesn't really aristocratical have that. that, at least not that level of classicism. I mean, I feel like you can get mm -hmm. that anywhere. Oh sure, like there's, there's always a, there's always a fight for the people who feel that they're, you know, the upper class to to kind of fight their way to a different set of rights. But it's I think it's more pronounced. Yeah. Well, where there's more city. opportunity, where there's more, I would say, where there's more regulation, where there's more opportunity for that kind of thing to happen. You know, and so that's why there just has to be that balance between rule of law and this generally applicable rule of law that's simple, and where there's less as little government discretion as possible required to execute those you know rules well, i feel like you really need an educated populace <clears throat> because any type of regulation can be kind of a trojan horse depending on who's writing that legislation right like what's what's the reason is it is it because we actually as a society need the rule or is it that there's a specific group that's lobbying because they know if they get this law passed that they're going to make a you know a buttload of cash well how many use that term how you many can say big, buttload okay how many big companies are actually for regulation in their own industries, right? Because well, as long they, as it benefits them, yeah. Because, <laughs> because they That's know why they lobbyists can, exist. They know they can then, then you know, influence the you know. It's the called laws crony and, capitalism. Well, it's like yeah, the sugar right, industry. Exactly. You're not allowed to put you know realistic numbers in terms of like calories and stuff on packaging. It's because they don't want you to know. Yeah. I, I just found out real sugar. That label that you can find on products. So real sugar. There's trademark. another one. It's a I, trademark name. It's a trademark name. It includes uh, non-sugar sweeteners. <laughs> okay. Case in point. Case in point. Okay, yeah. but I like what you said. You said it requires there. It requires an educated populace, and I think that that's kind of. Um, I wonder if that's the answer to what's necessary for freedom. You know, it's like you have to. It's like the liberal arts. So the liberal arts used to be something that was considered required for free people to function in a free society because you needed to know why these laws are just not just you know like oh it works for me this is how you vote you know no it's it's not just because it benefits me but because you know it's like a good thing and, and it's bigger than me and... yeah i think it also <laughs> goes into like the our whole idea of uh of welfare 
us and how, you know, what the interpretation is, whether it was written the welfare of the country or welfare of the individual. Mm-hmm. And that kind of goes into into the freedom aspect because you get a lot of people now who are arguing in favor or against certain laws because they're basically allocating our, you know, tax dollars to do certain things. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I am of the belief that it's the welfare of the country, you know, so having a safety net for people that, that do stumble, which happens in the startup world, and that's part of the, you know, you, you make your decisions, but sometimes you, you know, you screw up. Mm-hmm. You need a safety net uh, versus people just kind of living off of that. And yeah. I think that's, having an educated populace is, is like the most important part of the whole system. Yeah, being able to understand, like, what does freedom mean and how do we preserve it <clears throat> and take our own responsibility for our own stuff so the government government doesn't need to. Well, know? another another way to look mm-hmm. at it, too, is if you look at, like, transit systems. Like, there's so many people moving to Arizona from the Bay Area in New York, and they get up and they talk about, like, public transit as if it's, like, this amazing thing and it's going to save everyone. And I sit there going, I like my car. You know, like, like when you compare, like, transit systems, like, this morning I woke up and I got in my car and I drove to Scottsdale and I had a meeting and I drove to Phoenix and I had another meeting and then I drove down here. Uh, and, you know, within the course of a couple hours, I've been to three different cities mm-hmm. and now I'm here. Right. Whereas in New York, I'd have to, to get to work every day. I was waking up at 4 a.m. to take a 5 a.m. train. It was an hour and a half long train ride into the city, taking multiple subways, like, still having to walk a couple miles to get to where I need to go. Like, even if I had to go like 10 blocks over like i gotta walk like mm-hmm. it, it wasn't it so accessibility i mean you you don't have the freedom to in, in that respect it's kind of dictated it's it's you know the the schedule is not yours can you write that down phil is against public transportation oh yeah public transportation. yeah yeah we're gonna write that down <laughs> yeah. you can quote me on that no well, that, that i'm not i'm not i'm not, I'm not 100 against public transit but <clears throat> i don't want you to take my car away yeah well um so yeah, well, it's don't, interesting. Don't worry, Uber will take it for you. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> the private um, sector will also do a pretty good job at that. It'll get, it'll get robots. Hacked. It'll get hacked. It's stolen. Um, so, uh, and that's kind of nice because that leads us to that question. The next question, which is, how does Arizona embody freedom? And we kind of already started that, so that's great. Um, <clears throat> I do remember though, as a, um, we had a conversation about um, we're in. Uh, it was at my last job, which you know about. Um, because I was also there. Yeah, because we worked there you. too. Yeah, before, before me. You. Yeah, I laid the we... groundwork for your all the trauma that <laughs> was bestowed what, upon what you. Trauma. I don't. Even, I don't even know what you're talking about. Anyway, so um, so <laughs> no trauma. <laughs> there, that's, there was. Yeah, There's an offline story I want to hear. Oh, okay. So many. So, <laughs> all right. All right. No picking on them. Uh, at least not here um, over drinks. So uh, the uh, yeah, but we're talking about future of transportation which is part of what we were involved in and um and it, they were talking about how well cars are going to be they're going to be oh, you're not going to be able to drive your own car i mean you're just going to be priced out of it because the insurance is going to be so high compared to automation right automated robots driving around and stuff and that, that didn't make me happy it made me kind of sad i think i always think there's a happy medium i mean back back when i like first started out, I was working for an aerospace company, and the company had been around for close to sixty years. Mm-hmm. So things were kind of done a certain way, and they were an American company on Long Island, probably one of the last remaining companies on Long Island that <clears> manufacture <throat> their own products. I mean, they had like fourteen buildings in one area where you, all kinds of machine shops and assembly, and they did everything themselves. And <clears throat> when I started for the company, I lowered the average age of the company several years on my own. Um, when they hired me as like one of the youngest guys they had hired in a long time, and uh, did they my, ask you what you thought about this about the social media? They about no the space, about no the space social solution. media no I don't think any of them even <laughs> knew about that at the time. Um, nice. But what my job there was is automation, and it was taking tasks that had to be precision and that were repeated over and over again, and kind of taking the human out of that equation, but. The way I always approached it was there are some things that are worth having the robot do, and then there are some things that are not worth having the robot do. And I was always trying to work with the operator to kind of take the monotonous stuff that they didn't want to do uh, and automate that part of it and then leave them to the more technical skills, things that you know they've developed over you know 20 years of doing it, uh, and let them just continue to do that. So I don't necessarily think like autonomous vehicles are 
a bad thing overall, but you know, to come out and blanketly say that, oh, we're going to replace all cars everywhere. It's like, well, have you ever driven down a dirt road? Like you're going to, you're going to map a bunch of dirt oh, roads. Yeah. Like, yeah. have you ever tried to go on off-road? Like, you know, there's, there's things that robots can't do. They'll be outliers. Yeah, for they'll sure. be outliers. But like, you know, if you're on the highway and you're going on a long road trip, yeah, maybe you want to automate some of that. Yeah. Well, cause I mean, it's, it's, well, I don't know. Is it more fun to lead your family and sing travel songs when you're driving or when you're not driving? See, that's the question. So here's here's Do how I've thought about freedom my wife? in relation to transportation. <laughs> okay. So I totally get the whole, okay. like, I can go wherever I want when I want with my car. But there's this whole other side for me of I'm now eating up 30 to 60 minutes per day minimum, right? If I'm just heading into work and heading back. Yep that I have to be focused on one task and that is driving that produces zero value to me, any of my personal goals or to my business goals. Now, maybe you can like, I can come up with some like, well, maybe I can use that time to be thinking about <clears throat> something using, you know, that kind of like, you know, when you're doing a manual, a repetitive, like automated task and you, your brain, it kind of frees up your brain to like be more creative. Um, I think there's better ways to do that for me than driving. I think driving actually takes a little bit too much attention for me, mm -hmm. especially on the freeways here with crazy people. Yeah. Um, so there's like the flip side of it where it actually, I think for me, I get excited about the idea of autonomous cars, automated cars, in that it frees up my time um, to do something that I would I find totally more that. helpful, more productive. Then there's this whole other factor of like, man, if I never have to like, sit in a mechanic shop ever again even though i love my mechanic carrie hey carrie uh what's up carrie he's probably not listening but <clears throat> he's too busy working <laughs> um you know it's like just the hassle of maintenance um and i know that there's going to be a flip side to that right there's going to be a, a financial cost to mm -hmm. automated cars because you're basically outsourcing all of that to someone else I think, so, yeah, I think it would be a I like to drive in general. Right. Yeah, think, so there's that, right? <laughs> you just lose the ability to drive. And, yeah. I mean, yeah. That, yeah, if you drive a Prius every day, you might get bored and you want that to be automated. But if you, like, yeah. Get and that's why you like. I think there will be outliers. And I think what you might find actually is that there there's a whole new industry of, like, of sport driving, recreational driving mm -hmm. that blows up. I mean, that already kind of exists. But it'll become probably a become some thing. a more distinct thing that right. people really are like, wow, mm -hmm. like that's something I want to go do every weekend. You maybe don't have to own the car to be a part of that. Maybe there's like whole rental services around recreational driving. Yeah, um, that's one of the theories. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. And then you're gonna you're not gonna own your own car. You're just gonna go out. Yeah, and own the car. Yeah. which which sounds great to people in New York that don't have driver's <clears> licenses. <throat> So they don't drive I mean, I like the idea of not ever maintenancing a car and thinking about like how much. So out of a, I've had this conversation with like John McCoy, where we talk about how much time does your car just sit? And how much did you spend on that car? And how much are you spending to maintain that car to just sit? Can I rent that car out when it's in my garage while I'm using it? That's part of it. Yeah. Or, I mean, it wouldn't, it wouldn't probably function like that. But yeah, what if I just like paid into a rideshare program? Or right. a, a car share program, right. and yeah, I pay thirty bucks a month to have access to a car. Um, you know, and there's there's downsides to that, right? Like the there accessibility. Yeah, can I can I get it right now, or do I have to wait? The freedom for you to choose which one you want. Yes. Uh, see, okay, you get us back on track. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Freedom. <laughs> yeah, you know, like it. It's great if you if you like are of the mindset where oh, I could be sitting in the back seat <laughs> on my laptop getting work done while this robot drives me to work you know that's that's great but then i should also be able to make the decision that like i want to drive to work right i don't trust the robot right because i'm a i'm an engineer and i yeah. don't trust any robots yeah well yeah and plus i mean sometimes I, I like driving it feels good i like my hands on the steering wheel i like to control you know my car yeah I, yeah but i, agree I think you, you guys will no, find that your car in 10 years will drive itself whether you think you chose it or not I mean, the reality is like every luxury car on the market right now stops for you. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I'd want to disable that. If I want to hit something, I want to hit it. Yeah. <laughs> I want the flexibility of understanding my environment. Is to what if I need so, to assist the police? Yeah, right. Do a pit maneuver. Yeah. The reality yeah. is like cars are, they're going to drive themselves. Well, maybe, maybe you could program it to where it's like pit maneuver. But it'll be. And then it's like. Incremental. 
I don't think it's like somebody's gonna like government regulate it into well, existence. I think, I think I'm not as worried as most because I know I can just disable what I want. Yeah. Well, yeah, because you're an engineer. Yeah, yeah. it's like we got a smart TV, and I opened it up and removed the camera. <laughs> so, it's like I'm not, I'm not that afraid of it. That's yeah. awesome. It was one of the cameras where, like, if you if you were on Skype and you were talking, it would like zoom in on the person's face in the room. Oh, that's creepy. Oh, it's okay. super creepy. And I'm like, well, if it could do that while we're talking on Skype, like, you could do that. Normally. It could do that anytime. Yeah. yeah. So I'm like, eh, I'm gonna get my hot air desoldering station out. And well, that was that was big news like a month ago where uh, they they changed they deregulated uh, the internet service providers so that well I'm gonna get this I'm gonna butcher this. How was it? It was the up? net neutrality. They they stopped enforcing the net neutrality. Was that what it was? No. So TVs prior to this date, they could actually track your your watch usage, like smart TVs. Okay. But your ISP couldn't, and so they changed it so that the ISP could also track what it was that you were like. They could maintain a database of the things that you watch. Mm-hmm. They they had to anonymize it, but. Oh, right, okay. Um, but I, up to that point, no one realized this, but every single smart TV on the planet was already tracking what you watched. Well, and, well, and your phone tracks where you go to, yeah. for the most part. So, big, you know, GIS data from that, you know, like wherever you are, elevation, everything. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, <laughs> so the last, the last question, this is kind of the big one, um, is uh, now that we've kind of talked about freedom a little bit, we're kind of, we kind of gone over some of the theory, rule of law, things like that. Um, what are what are a few companies, uh, Phil? I'm gonna throw this in your direction first. What are three companies that you think should make their home in Arizona who maybe aren't here yet? Uh, oh, and why? And why? Yeah, 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 that'll yeah, be the yeah, fun yeah. part. No, um, just list them. Yeah, yeah just list them. Um, <laughs> that's a wrap. <laughs> I think I think the first one that I would say, and, and I'm gonna give a name, but it's really just any kind of company like them. Probably like a company like GE. Mm-hmm. Um, coming out and really having like a home base here, um, and the reason why is companies like that or Intel, which announced that they had two point six billion that they're investing in that facility out here. Mm-hmm. Companies like that do a few things for the ecosystem. I mean, they're going to attract students um, through their internship program, even if they're coming from universities outside um, of Arizona. And I'll, I'll save my criticism for ASU because. <laughs> I'm sure you'll have them on eventually. Um, but you know, they, they just they like throw some out real quick. Well, they, it's really just more the quality of students from schools vary wildly. Um, and that's, I'm not saying, I'm not knocking state schools because I want to do a state school, but, um, you know, attracting students to Arizona in hopes that they stay out here. Um, and then, attra- and those companies tend to apply tech that they develop to their home states before mm-hmm. moving outside. So, you know, R&D projects, things that can really benefit the city will generally get implemented where they are just for a matter of it's, it's lower uh, upfront cost for them to deploy it there and test it when they're, you know, right next door. Um, and Arizona is very open to that. I mean, I can give a couple of examples. There's a, there's a company that they're, uh, it's an incubator. I think it's called Risen, R-I-S-N. Um, and they deal with like converting trash um, into usable products or recycling things in a better way. And they basically opened the feedstock, I believe, for Phoenix, uh, for the landfill to startups in their incubator um, in order to, and then, you know, the feedstock is a revenue source for the city. So basically the city is saying, you know, we'll, we'll divert some of our revenue source to companies that can try to help us reduce waste. Um, because what's, what's feedstock? What's the uh, just raw garbage? Okay, so it's garbage just, recycling. It's not a it's not l- not literal feedstock. <clears throat> not literal feed. No, no. it's slightly I mean, metaphoric. Like, it's the fodder for yeah. The, for it's the, all the stuff that yeah. you know they cart away from your house. Okay. Yeah, the trash, which they're trying to turn into something useful. But what I've seen with Phoenix is that they're very uh, proactive in trying to make the city better, um, and that freedom to work with the city on a level where you can actually make an impact is something that you're not going to find in a place like the Bay Area or New York City. Um, so I feel like a big company, you know, like GE, I think um, we, we need a lot more uh, developed companies that, you know, were startups and kind of went through the struggles and, and are looking to help other startups, either from like a mentorship capacity or, you know, people who created a successful business and sold it and now could invest in a company, but 
they're coming they're coming into the ecosystem with um, some type of you know experience that they can lend because I mean the the investment environment in Arizona although it's getting better is still kind of crap yeah. um, stall yeah, real estate investors and software in- investors that they don't understand tech you know on the hardware level so they won't put any money into it so I don't have any name in particular for those groups but that's that's the type of <clears throat> investment. Well, it's funny that you say that because GE actually worked with locomotives when I was there. I was on that project. I was there too. Uh, where were you? Oh, yeah. So you were there for during first build, and so um, and so we were there for uh, we stood up challenge innovation challenges where they you know they could say hey we have these problems with the engine engine and on wing engine inspection and things like that you know we help them stand that up their engineers and so they they're you can tell they're interested in stuff like that and you know they are you know it's just a matter of Finding opportunities. How does Arizona, how does Arizona um, help them to see the light and see the advantage of coming to Arizona? I mean, one is space. I mean, we have we have ample space out here. You can go into any town. I mean, the the one that I always remark at when people come to visit is uh, Tempe Town Lake, and yeah. uh, and you know most of those buildings over there didn't exist when I first moved out here, and I haven't been out here that long. And you know you that's have a recent build. infrastructure that's just sprouting up everywhere, mm-hmm. and it's competitively priced. I mean, I always compare like New York to here. So like we had a one bedroom apartment in Lake Grove, which is an okay area on Long Island, and uh, one bedroom apartment costs us like seventeen hundred dollars a month <laughs> plus utilities and all that other crap. Uh, and then you know compare out here for less than that, I have a four bedroom, you know, two car garage, like huge yard, you know, like giant living room and kitchen like you have you have space yeah um and it, it's the same for businesses too you know when we were looking for space you're talking like out in gilbert 70 cents a square foot you go kind of further towards scottsdale you know maybe dollar 20 two dollars a square foot you know it's not it's not expensive so you have the freedom to build a facility I and mean, that's what a lot of companies are doing you have these huge campuses and the intel campus is enormous mm-hmm. like i don't even know how many buildings they have um just on that one campus but you're talking about Ch- Chandler, yeah, yeah. Um, so I mean, you have you have space to grow, and that's a that's a big problem for a lot of companies. Uh, I I always joke around that I went from working for the best startup I ever worked with to the worst. Uh, the best being uh, BioLite New York City, um, and they're an example of you know really great team, really high energy, making really great products, but they really didn't have much space. To grow because the city is so confining. I mean, they had a mm. they had a decent office there, but you know, if they wanted to explode and like double size their team, I think they'd be hard pressed to, to find the space um, that mm. would accommodate that. And then you have the cost associated with that too. Whereas out here, it's like if you outgrow your building, you need a building twice as big. You probably just move down the road and there's a space for you. Yeah, if you can handle all the golf courses and resorts and awesome oh, restaurants yeah. and the yeah. beautiful weather. It's yeah, the, oh, <laughs> so much sun all winter long. Oh man. I love how yeah. when it's cloudy that that makes the news. <laughs> like today, right? It's like, where did the sun go? Yeah, it's like yeah. a big deal <laughs> when there's like a five percent chance of rain. <laughs> yeah. It's freaking back. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's also super <laughs> annoying that like it only rains like two times during the day, like before the sun really comes up, and then like after sunset. It's like so right. your whole day is beautiful. Even it's gonna rain again. Yeah. I there's always a beautiful sunset. Well, and and oh, sunsets. Oh my goodness. Wait, wait, is that? What is it? Arizona, Arizona, man. All right, here, here's my, here's my, it's, it's freedom. freedom. <laughs> freedom. Let it ring. And so, well, I, 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 here's my theory that there's a lot of light coming off the beautiful desert colors and bouncing back up at the clouds. Well, it's also, you can like <clears throat> see like out to the mountains. Yeah. And, you know, so it's, yeah. we're in a massive valley. Yeah. Yeah. It's super dusty, which means that there's more particles in the air for light to bounce off of. So that's one of the reasons Is why you get, it? yeah, that's why you get a lot of, freedom. it's freedom dust, freedom uh, dust. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. And then I, I don't know. I think like there's some play in there. You, you know, can well, that you can see the sun at such yeah. a, a, a low, low angle. angle. Yeah. Then you can, cause I mean, in, in any other state, I mean, especially like New York, you just have high rises everywhere. You can't even see the horizon. There's no mountains. It's just, right. It's just like the concrete jungle. And then out here, I mean, even if you're stuck in traffic on a 202 or you know, 101 or whatever, it's a, at least you can like look up and look around and go, wow, it's a beautiful state. Well, and, and I mean, in Oregon, where I'm from, you know, you, you have mountains which are beautiful and trees which are beautiful, but it's just a trade off, you know. I mean, you don't get to see that the sunsets aren't nearly as beautiful. Yeah, lightning is spectacular here too. Yes, it is. <sighs> we just had a storm so last night. Did you guys? Did you guys have the storm go through? 
We not didn't get Tails. hardly any rain. I saw people in Gilbert were getting a lot more. We got rain. Yeah. Santan Valley. Yep. Yeah. So, um, well, hey, what do you guys think about workshopping a little bit? So we just talked about a few things. We talked about what, like, just, like, I feel like, always always before we always talk about, like, oh, yeah, everything's cheaper here, right? It's cheaper. <laughs> well, it's I true. Think Phil, I think Phil just kind of gave us somewhere. I know. What does that mean to us, mm-hmm. right? What does that mean to businesses coming here? Well, I mean, you do have the university, right? I'm switching to education now. But you do have the university. You know, you do have. Um, other companies, you know, you do have, um, there are some big companies like GE style companies. In fact, GE might have locations here, do they? Do you know? I, <clears throat> like there, there's some military. We have Honeywell, contractors. we have OECK, we've got all of the semiconductor companies. You got like Bond Semi, Maxim IC, Texas mm-hmm. Instruments, my, like everybody's out here. Okay. I mean, it makes sense. There's no natural disasters, right? <laughs> the Bay Area is great until it starts to shake. Right. (laughs) Which is not helpful for hardware companies. No, it's not. So, I mean, you don't have, like, what's what's the worst? You're going to have, like, a dust storm and you're going to be inconvenienced for, like, 10 minutes and then it's over. You don't really have much out here in terms of that. Right. Yeah, Um, unless Palo Verde blows, we're we're pretty good. Palo Verde, that's the... uh, that's, That's the, the one. Nuclear. I always, I always kind of, every once in a while, I'll kind of like pop my head out and be like, look to the west and go, no mushroom clouds, sweet. <laughs> <laughs> Daily mushroom cloud check. The, the other thing you talked about, Phil, was the, um, was it's just scalability. You come out here and you can scale, dude. Yeah. You know, if, you, if I, you're going to I think space grow, was a really good point. Yeah. Well, it, space, space is one point I make. The other is just <clears throat> the overall ecosystem in terms of like the humans like mm-hmm. if i need help with something because i'm the first inmate i mean i started solder was my first startup i obviously made mistakes mm-hmm. um but the accessibility to people who are willing to legitimately help you um is a lot better here than it is mm-hmm. in a place like new york i mean new york was incredibly cutthroat i mean when you were starting up a company you were just kind of like it, it was you against everybody else because resources are not as prevalent as as they you know, are out here and then you have groups like yes phoenix and these other kind of slack groups where it's just very informal and if i need something i can go on there and it's just as something is like i needed some, i needed a company to print something you know and i just reached out to them say who, who would you work with before because i don't want to you know test a new vendor and you get 10 15 responses for different companies and yeah. kind of recommendations and it's it's a much i think more welcoming community <clears throat> out here why that is well i i was talking with this one guy who was a uh, free and happy yeah free and happy and i was talking with this one guy who's an executive at ge and he was just like yeah um he had been an executive at ge he was like yeah i just i just think you know up, up north where it's cold you know people are just more getting things done he's just kind of like he's so hungry and everything when he was here and um i know i know he liked you know he liked stuff about arizona but at, at the same time i think he was kind of like i'm driven you know and so he belonged kind of like a lot of it was, you probably belonged in New York, maybe, you know. Whereas the people he was criticizing may be the reason that we have so much externality, like as far as like just, you know, just that human, um, or the, the advice or the technical help, you know, those externalities where it comes to those things, because people are willing to stop a little bit, move just a tiny bit slower, and then be able to kind of, you know, help where they can or, you know, where they feel it's worthwhile. Yeah. I don't know. I've always wondered too about just the makeup of Arizona being, you know, a majority of, of people who've moved from other locations, other geographic areas of either the U.S. or even the world, right? Mm-hmm. And so there's kind of this, there's less of an establishment identity as like, I'm an Arizonan and you're not, right? If you go to New York, you know, third, fourth generation New Yorker, like there's like a, that's a, that's an identity for them. Um, and yeah. there's this kind of like insider versus outsider kind of viewpoint yeah. versus like here, it's like, you know, nine out of 10 people you meet on the street are probably like, okay, maybe like second generation or, but most likely they're first, you know, first generation or they've just moved here. Um, there's a little bit more of this kind of like, Hey, we're all, we're all from somewhere else. And we're just trying to figure this out. 
So let's help each other. Yeah, and the hope is that whatever policies drove them away from their yeah. home state, they leave those policies there and yeah. bring the good stuff here. <laughs> is, that, is that the worry? I mean, is that like, you know, I mean, shouldn't we make area, shouldn't we make Phoenix more like the Bay Area? <laughs> Segway. I leave that to you. <laughs> no, and Phil is just kind of like, ah, no, we should thing. not be like the Bay Area. I mean, <laughs> I think, I think startups idealize different different uh, ecosystems depending on like what stage of development they're in like when you just start out and you need money you're like oh, i wish we were like the bay area i could just like yeah. go to a vc and get a bunch of money and then like you learn more and you get a little more experience you're like man i'm really glad we're not the bay area because the bay area is a miserable place to start a startup really it's just it's saturated like what makes you stand out mm -hmm. you know here in arizona yeah we're spread out you know both physically and and with the startup community too. I mean, you have the ability to really make a mark here uh, and stand out here than you would in another ecosystem. So I think it depends like what stage you're in. You know, yeah, when I first started out, I wish, I, I mean, if I sit down with another real estate investor, I would probably strangle them. But, you know, I'm happy we're not like the Bay Area now that we're more established and, you know, we, we need the freedom, we need to be able to grow. And mm -hmm. I feel like in those ecosystems, we'd be stymied at this point in our, in our development. Yeah. Well, especially your company. So um, that's actually a good segue, segue to talk. Yeah. All kinds of segues about. So um, into into your company a little bit. So tell us about what you guys are doing. What's the name of the company? And what you guys are doing. So my first startup is uh, Salt Earth. And uh, we engineer and manufacture laser-based firearm training tools for law enforcement, military, and civilian first responders. Um, so dry fire. Dry fire. Yeah. yeah. So training without ammunition nice. uh, as an analog. Can I do that in my house? Yes. You can do that in your yard. 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 I mean, if you follow me on Instagram, there are a lot of posts. It's just me in my backyard. And my neighbors come home from work, and I'll be running around my yard with an AR and a handgun. And, you know, they come over and hang out, and we do it together. Can I do it at Starbucks? Uh, I cannot advise you to do it. <laughs> but you have. Yeah, I have. Um, <laughs> Motorcycle cops here in Arizona don't like to do the paperwork out in 115 degree heat. Okay. So they kind of just do the bare minimum and then they'll go to a Starbucks and kind of figure out the rest. So I had been sitting there programming these targets because I kind of work everywhere. And uh, one of the officers was like, I could see him like squinting at it. And I'm like, okay, somebody's interested. I'm, I'm just going to play cool. And uh, he, he read the top label, which uh, tells you not to use it with live ammunition. And that kind of piqued <laughs> his interest. So he asked me about keyword. it. And I, and That's I funny that you keyword. put that on there. Yeah. So, well, yeah, I got to cover my ass because I don't want somebody to put a live round through this and blame me for it. Right. Um, <laughs> even though they're probably going to. Don't worry. The coffee is hot. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it is. Um, and he, he was asking me questions that I'm showing him. And he's like, well, what kind of weapon would you use it with? And I was like, well, I could show you, but I don't want to pull it out without permission. So kind of sat the target up in the corner and pulled out one of the simulated weapons sitting here on the table um, and just kind of showed them there. So yeah, I have done it. So for the, for the record, you have a slide that's a different color and it shows that it's inert. So you, so, you know, you don't have to be worried that you're going to mix it up with your Glock, your, your live fire weapon. Yeah. I mean, there's a bunch of different ways to do it. I'm getting feedback. Yeah. Some crazy feedback. Just pull off the, pull off the headset. I just didn't know if that was getting recorded. Oh. Let's keep going. Oh. Keep going. Um, but yeah, it's a simulated weapon. So we have some where it's like a cartridge you put into your real firearm. Um, and we don't, we don't advise. There's certain ways I don't advise doing it just because you want to make sure that it is inert and there are conditions where those cartridges can kind of fall out after they start getting older. So I run around with, with, a, with the inert replica. It's basically just a plastic. Mock-up of a of a Glock, so at least that way, it's not it's not really a firearm. So if I bring it somewhere and surrounded by people who don't like firearms, they can't really complain. Right, you can demonstrate it's safe, which is yeah. which is rare here in Arizona. True, right? Yeah, another thing about Arizona. Yeah, yeah. So um, so uh, so how how are things going? Uh, what do you guys what do you guys up to? So uh, we are in production. I mean, we've been in production since uh, October last year. Mm -hmm. Um. Right now, we sell to a real wide array of law enforcement. Right now, we cover 14 different countries. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we have our 
all of our ducks in a row with ITARs that we ship internationally and nice. uh, right now trying to work on getting into some military stuff with SBIR, SDPR type applications. So yeah, pretty much. Right on. Cool. And so if somebody wants to um somebody wants to contact you, do they just go to your house or do they do not come to your house? That'd be a really no, definitely not. <laughs> go to our I website. He's armed right. and dangerous. <laughs> You don't show up at his house on that's right. Yeah, that's, yeah. Well, I mean, we have Castle Law here in Arizona, so that's a bad idea for anyone. Don't go um, in his house. Yeah, you can you can email us. Uh, but if they go to the website, it's uh, www.thetagsaltedearth.com. And there's all our product info and a little chat window that pops up. So you can talk to us and cool. find out more. So, um, and if somebody wants to give you money for your startup, if somebody wants to give me money, earth. yeah, you can go. To, you can go there. Go to the website. Go to the chat. If you go to the chat box, it actually I get I get that on my in. phone. So you can go there and so it's and actually bug you. Me. Right. Yeah. I try to only if you want to give money. Only if you want to give, <laughs> only yeah. if you want to give and money. You should start the conversation by telling me how much money. You can give. <laughs> yeah, that would be a good start. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, we went through we went through kind of a friends and family round and a seed round. So we've we've had two two rounds. We're in production. We have a bunch of other products. We're that are kind of primed and ready to go, um, and really just trying to drive into the to law enforcement and the military market now is our is our goal. Right on. Plus, then I get to play with cool toys, like cool. helicopters and little vessels. Yeah, you're gonna go. <laughs> you're gonna go like play around helicopters today. Is that what it is today? No, not today. It's someday soon. Okay, very soon. That sounds awesome. Can't tell you about. Man. Oh, you know what it might have been? There's magnets on the back of that target. So I'm wondering. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That might have been messing with. That's why I moved it. Sorry about that. But. Yeah, they're, whatever. they're pretty strong magnets. It's all good. Don't put it near your Facebook. <laughs> so don't like wear it on your chest and run around. Well, we've had them tag. do that. I mean, we've put them on plate carriers and done force on force training and stuff like that. It's it's just crazy. not with pacemakers. You should put another disclaimer on there. Don't shoot me. Also, yeah, don't use your pacemaker. All right. Well, um, well, Phil, uh, do we have any other questions for Phil? I don't. Phil, you're our first guest. Yes, ever thank you. On the show ever. Thank you very much. Right. You killed it. <clears throat> yeah. So figuratively. Um, yeah. Yeah. Not, we got it. We got it. Not literally. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, then you'll have to you'll have to invite me back. Then we'll talk about other stuff. Yeah. Okay. All right. It, it, done. Yeah. Done. Like and, um, I do a lot of consulting work for startups. Oh, all do over you? The place. Yeah. Okay. I've consulted for companies in Bay Area, Colorado, Oregon, Texas, New York, Florida, a bunch of different ecosystems, and you know they. That's why when I when I talk about we don't want to be the Bay Area, it's not just out of you know assumptions. It's, it's, just it's seeing what they go through. Jealousy. It's actually. Oh, I have no jealousy. At all. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, the only thing I maybe am jealous of is their ability to have good sushi. Oh, right. That's but, a good point. But aside from that, I don't yeah. really. Yeah, we're not going to compete on the sushi level. Well, yeah. you know, that now that Amazon, that now that Amazon owns Whole Foods, maybe, Whole Foods, maybe, because I mean, it all comes over on a plane. It's not like they're catching sushi in California, right? It's they're flying it there. I did. I don't even know what sushi's made of. So, <laughs> typically fish. It's, yeah, <laughs> typically fish. Well, fish. they're right on the side. They're right on the ocean, though. So I don't know why. So, some of it probably depends on what what restaurant yeah, you go yeah. to. Um, a lot of it's probably farmed out of like Alaska or. Maybe even like Japan, or if they're trying to be yeah, Stockton <laughs> somewhere else, New Stockton. York, New York City. But uh, yeah, so I've worked with companies kind of all over in these deep, different ecosystems, and it's it's not like they have it really any better than us in certain respects. I mean, it, there's some like idealized things about oh, with you know, the money's just falls out of the sky in California, and it's right. really not the case. It's just on trees. It's, 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 well, no, it's like it's on a fishing out. rod, basically. <laughs> <laughs> Too, they're um, uh, Urban Airship, a buddy of mine who works for them as a product manager. And he's just like, they just got a big round of funding and now they have all this money and now they're responsible for it. Mm -hmm. so I do not envy them at all. John Mackey from Whole Foods has a good quote about VCs. And uh, one of the, his proposed reasonings for selling to Amazon was to get the investors off of Whole Foods back. And uh, his quote is something to the effect of like, uh, VCs are like hitchhikers. They're great as long as you're going where they want to go. Mm -hmm. And the minute that you <laughs> deviate from where they want to go, they will take your car over. Wow. Yeah. They're like <clears throat> they're like hostile hitchhikers. Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. So 
You got to be really careful. Your friend. Yeah. yeah, and he oh, said... I don't even pretend most of the time. He, he's <laughs> they're very yeah, and open he's, about it. He said that if he could go back, he would have done his partnerships and investments differently. So before before we go, then uh, maybe a quick word about where you specialize in that in that uh, consultation, mm-hmm. kind of the areas you affect most. I I exist with physical products. Okay. So any I've worked with companies anything from like napkin sketches, you know, without any idea of how to build a product, um, to companies that have jumped around between like overseas and then like the Bay Area consulting groups and kind of they're holding a pile of nothing and they need to actually finish the product and get it to market. So usually I'm, I do all the hardware type stuff. So anything like firmware level down, that's really where I exist. Prototyping. Yep. Prototyping. Manufacturing. Oh, tons of manufacturing. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I grew up in a machine shop and I've been oh, yeah, in manufacturing right. since day one. I mean, I have several CNC machines in my garage um, that are too hot to operate at the moment, but okay. <laughs> yeah, spindles don't like running in so there is a downside degrees. to Arizona. Yeah, get an air conditioner from yeah. the garage. Yeah, yeah. That, 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 <laughs> always around it. Um, right. But yeah, so pretty much any tangible goods is, is where I kind of exist. Okay. I also have a personal website with the plugin. Yeah, so, yeah, um, yeah. Throw yeah. it out there. So my kind of like my online CV or the easiest way to contact me directly is uh, it's Philip with one L dash H A A S dot com. That's kind of the easiest way to contact me. I got a bunch of bunch of links on there for different projects I've worked on. But yeah, tent, like if you can touch it and feel it and do something with it, usually I would. I'm going to make sure all that gets in the show notes. Um, and so manufacturing is the hardest part. We can have a whole podcast just on manufacturing. Really? Yeah. Um, I make everything here. So I mean, that's something that I, I pride myself on is that we do everything for the Atlas here in the U.S. Mm-hmm. So boards are actually made in California, the Bay Area, believe it or not. Um, plastics are made by a company called Proto Mold. Everything gets sent here to Phoenix, mm-hmm. uh, where they do final assembly and logistics and fulfillment here in Phoenix. So, uh, I have always been a very big proponent of making things as local as possible. And my my goal is to bring all the manufacturing here to Arizona. Um, so it's like that's something that I always try to push with companies. Everybody's so quick to run overseas, and that's where you know VC backed companies, especially in the Bay Area, are really at a disadvantage because those investors that's that's their mo. They're like, you're going to take this overseas, yep. and they're going to make it for dirt cheap, and then we're going to you know, yep. have crazy margins. And they end up screwing these these young companies over because you can't just go overseas and do stuff. There's a lot of intricacies of that. Mm-hmm. That's a whole other podcast on just on that. That would be very interesting to talk about. So we will have you back. Um, <clears throat> but in the meantime, um, so I'm going to make sure all that we just said it or is in the show notes, so people know how to contact you for uh, find out more about Salted Earth, the Salted Earth. Dot com and um and then also uh, uh for consulting as well so um any last any last words before we go get out to ourselves chris oh yeah we oh yeah we should tell them how to contact us right <laughs> yeah, yeah forgot about that mike it's please, an important part please tell us please tell everybody how to contact you yeah so i'm mike jones from resound uh brand agency here in tempe arizona you can contact me at resoundcreative.com or you can hit me on email mike at resoundcreative.com I'm Chris Stadler, uh, Chris Stadler Brand and Content Strategy, and you can reach me at Chris at C-H-R-I-S-S-T-A-D-L-E-R.com. Guys, everybody, thanks for joining us. Uh, Phil, thank you so much. Yeah, thanks, Phil. And uh, everybody, thanks for listening, and we will talk to you next time.